they play to save lives and keep your loved ones safe. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OACS Commission and UNICEF. The opinions expressed on this TV program by the hosts, co-hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates. Good afternoon and welcome to the revolution. I am so happy for choosing this name. I think nothing could signify the sign of the times and what is needed. And now more than ever, I am more confident than ever that it is going to happen. Not because it's people want it to happen, but because it's the only way forward and it needs to happen. Yes, St. Lucia, we are finally... For me, at least a year and a half overdue, but we are finally at the stage where enough is officially enough. It is Monday, June 8th, 2020, and I'd like to thank our, our partners, that the people have been following us all over St. Lucia. I'd also like to send a shout out to the folks all over the country who are ready to stand. All of you from all walks of life, whether you are overseas locked in, whether you are listening to another station, whether you are not, don't have time right now, but you know that your patriotism has been called into question and your livelihood, you are under threat. You are now ready. We are now ready because in truth, enough is enough. For folks locked in on UTV124 on Facebook and our live stream, those of you ch channel 124 on Flow, and of course, those of you locked in on Instagram, good afternoon to you. And what is important is that we recognize that for every disappointment, there's a blessing or at the very least an opportunity. One door closes, another one opens. With the coronavirus, not only has it exposed much of what's been going on under people's radar, a lot of nefarious activities, but on top of that, it has forced us to unite. It has forced us literally to unite. Because in this upcoming election that Chastney seems to be trying to manipulate a state of emergency towards, it's not about red versus yellow. And this is the first election that it is not going to be about red versus yellow. You all heard when Kenny Anthony characterized the last election as between the Chastneys and the, and the Labour Party? Well, that was 2016. This election is between Chastney and his cabinet of ministers and all St. Lucians, UWP and Labour and everybody in between. It's literally a fight 
for survival on our side, the right to exist in our own country, the right to be able to earn a living, the right to be treated as a first-class citizen in the one place that you can call your homeland, or continue to let these guys plunder the country and drop us straight into failed state status while they make off with all kinds of pockets lined with escrow accounts and their friends and their family in a wealth inequality gap like it looks like we're part of some Arab nation. The cabal is definitely on with these guys. Now one of the things that has come through the coronavirus and COVID is that it has forced all of us who through social media and other signs of the times have become disconnected from each other. We will literally leave each other in a room and go home to talk to each other on Facebook, on Twitter, on WhatsApp, on Instagram. We literally congregate in separation. Well, the coronavirus has forced us to care about each other. Because even if you don't care about yourself, do you want to give the virus potentially to your grandmother, your father, your mother? Somebody that can pass away. It's forced us to recognize the deficiencies in the education system and what our children have been knowing instinctively, but we've been getting PR to con us into believing everything was kind of all right. And now our very livelihoods are under threat because the government has indicated to the IMF since February of this year that they were going to expand the tax base so you see, they want to start having taxes on people's little apartment downstairs on the side of their home that they were using to offset their mortgage payments. That people could not build their own personal wealth. And this is a prime minister that in 2015 and 2016 kept saying how Kenny Anthony and the Labour Party administration was strangling the economy with taxes. Yet, he wants to put tax on hairdressers because when you register and you have your license fee, that's, a, that's essentially getting money from you. If you were doing fiberglass on a boat, and it's all well and nice to have all these things regulated and certified. If you're in England, if you were in a first world country like Canada, or the United States, or Russia, or Germany, or Italy, or Spain, but Lil St. Lucia, you want people that are making black pudding? You want people that are doing poultry? You want people that are doing hairdressing? Have an auto mechanic shop? All these people have to suffer so that you can get more money from them after you've already blown all the money that you gave to friends, family, and foreigners. And right now, folks, if you do not know, if you have anybody that's in the Ministry of Finance that can be honest with you or Treasury, they will tell you that the barn is being raided left, right, and center. Everything is about push to get whatever money you have to get if you're one of the friends and family. Get the land, get everything, get whatever money, whether it's owed to you, director want concession, you name it. Get it now, 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 before elections come. And this country is hemorrhaging. We're going into a comatose state under this Prime Minister, Mr. Counterintuitive. And we have to make sure that the lessons of the coronavirus, where we care for each other, starts now. Teachers need to care about farmers. Farmers need to care about minibus drivers. Minibus drivers need to care about students. Students need to care about teachers. Teachers need to care about civil servants. Civil servants need to care about athletes. Athletes need to care. We all need to care. Professional class engineers, conservationists, all St. Lucians need to care about each other. Because we are either going to rise to meet this moment or we are going to continue to be privatized, colonized, everything in between. 
is going to happen to us. And the worst part is, it's already happening. That's the sad reality. So we're going to start today with one of the forgotten sectors under this government. Remember when Shasta used to say, I'm so committed to agriculture, agriculture. Imagine you have right now a community of Miku South and Miku North, so you can take Miku, a farming and fishing community. Farming and fishing. But what he wants to put down there? A water park. Meantime, what's happening to the farmers? Most banana farmers in St. Lucia have not received payments for bananas sold for export since week 17. Especially farmers from Bellevue, Canels, Piero, Opicon, Grace, and other parts of VA4 North, which is the constituency that I represent. Ezekiel Joseph and the Prime Minister promised farmers that they will get a market in France or in Martinique. And therefore, farmers went out to plant endless bananas. Today, the bananas are rotting. They have to throw them away because Ezekiel Joseph and the Prime Minister lied to banana farmers. They did not do what they had to do to assist the banana farmers. Today, banana farmers cannot get their payments. Week 17, week 18, week 19, week 20, week 21, week 22, we are in week 23. And this week, banana farmers were not even sure that their bananas would be shipped because either they did not have bags or they don't have this or they don't have that. This United Workers Party government has abandoned the banana farmers. When I was Minister for Agriculture, when we were in government, here is what we did for the banana farmers. We got a situation with black cigatoka disease. We assisted the farmers. We paid to clear abundant fields. We gave the farmers oils, fungicides, and we had a well-managed black cigatoka management unit. The farmers were already using GPS and all kinds of technology to fight black cigatoka. Banana exports increased from 2012 and monies that were coming into St. Lucia as a result of banana exports increased. Right now, the banana farmers have been abandoned. While the government is starting all big projects everywhere, taking endless big loans everywhere, and banana farmers who were the bedrock of this economy, bedrock of this economy, have been left abandoned. I call on the banana farmers to ask the government, put pressure on the parliamentary representatives to assist the, the banana farmers. They can bail out hotels, all kinds of big companies, but the banana farmers cannot get their payments. I urge the banana farmers to pressure the government to assist them so that they can assist their families. You place your export progress. We have increased banana production. Monki I planted pre-fig, Pasca Ezekiel at Chasne Dio, Yokai Voe Fig France. Mouvle tout farmer mene fig yo, du vent office Ezekiel at Chasne. The whole aspect of farmers complaining, not being able to, to market their fruit. We exported 1,000 tons less. So, Koyo Jouen Plifig la. We exported 1,000 tons of bananas less. So tell them to go and pay the farmers because farmers plant a prefig because they say they have a fig France. Why is the arrangement, and I want to make why is the arrangement for a contract 
for marketing is not the responsibility of government. The arrangement for marketing is between the NFTO and Winfresh. It's not our responsibility. Now he's telling farmers they cannot plant, they cannot plant bananas to reach standards. That is horsemanure. Now we are seeing farmers are complaining. Now I ask, ask the question: Who are these farmers? Are they certified farmers? And if they are certified farmers, why is it that Winfresh cannot get the fifteen thousand boxes a week? And if they are not certified farmers, the responsibility is for them to get certified, not for the government to certify them. You can try and fool a farmer that he cannot grow a banana. We've been growing bananas for over 40 years or 50 years. All it is when the standard change, you meet the standard. So when you sell that to a person, you're deceiving the person. You're dishonest. La la la, I can hear you. La 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 la. La la la, I don't want to hear la la. They have that responsibility to prepare the, 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 the plot such markets never existed. Today it pains me to watch the harvest being fed to the pigs or to left to rot along roadsides. Exploitation of the highest order. When will they level with the farmers? Tell the farmers the truth. The longest rope has an end. That is what he said. And Alan Shastney, I'm telling you, you caused it. I'm so committed to agriculture that I'm willing to put my own... That surprises me, eh? I, I want the people of Miku South, I want people in St. Lucia, all throughout St. Lucia, to know I am committed to agriculture, uh, green apple, golden apples. This has never happened before. Today, the sweat of our poor people must be permitted to go down the drain. They have labored in vain. Koinge election. Ikai commence, nous kai commence van fig by France et Matnik. Lege election, ikwene se fama. Lege election, ipon van gouvernement pour moutoye me fama tellement. Imete FAR alem alem machine FAR 15. For there to be a continuous trade with France or, or any other trade apart from what is happening with Winfresh, the government of St. Lucia will have to subsidize the price for farmers in St. Lucia. Also, we were told that there will be better deals for farmers and that Ezekiel Joseph he being on the board of Winfresh, he's a director on the board of Winfresh, earning directorship fees that things would be better for the farmers. So we need to ask whether things are better for the farmers with Ezekiel on the board of Winfresh. Whilst I am on, on Winfresh board and I make no apologies for this because my government felt this is important for me to be on Winfresh board. Ezekiel is on the board that governs the geese boats. Ezekiel is on another board in the banana industry. How, how could you be on these boards? If it is true, and it is true, how could you be on these boards fighting for the company and at the same time you, want to, you say you're fighting for farmers? I believe elections are near and they are trying to get one or two um, things to say they have done this and done that since they have been failures. Now, folks... Banana farmers are under attack.
Fishers are under attack. Teachers are under attack. Hotel workers are under attack. Students are under attack. CCC workers are under attack. Viewfort and Sufre town council workers are under attack. Nurses are under attack. Hairdressers are under attack. I don't even have enough fingers. Nail technicians are under attack. People who spray vehicles, pig farmers, cattle farmers, poultry farmers, small shop owners, caterers, vendor, vendors, computer shop owners, restaurant and bar owners, everybody marginalized, sent home, shut down for state of emergency. Meantime, state of emergency, the man campaigning so much that the same restaurants and bars around St. Lucia that cannot open. But he can go and sit down for PR points and sit down in Kokolorum's constituency, eh? Think about that. I want you to think about that. Think about it. Name calling, calling in, politics. in politics. Let me show you what I mean. The Kokorum, the parliamentary representative from Ancillary Canaries. Kokorum. You know what that is? You know what it is? You opening your eyes. He says that I'm in politics since 1978. I'm a spent force, tired failure. And if you don't know what Kokoro means, it simply means a self-important little man. <laughs> a small man with a big opinion of himself. And no one can deny that the honorable member has a big opinion. I know, Mr. Speaker, the sound... That's okay. That's okay, I have a big belly. Honorable but Member. Look beyond to you when you reach my age and you have a big belly, you look very unusual. Honorable. <laughs> Which this incident then brought up, it has brought up the whole thing about insults that has come to the fore. So the media went to Fortuna Bellrose to ask her about what she thought about the former Prime Minister Kenny Anthony's comments when he spoke and called Dominic Fede a cockalorum. Name calling in politics. Let me show you what I mean. We're talking about the Star Award. Name calling. We're giving them a. St yeah, I, 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 need, I need to put my gloves, man. I believe they were. So, my gloves are trauma. Some people will go to lens to do anything, you know, to win. Yeah? Right. So the shit, talk, and A is for achievements. So the Star Awards is the shit, talk, achievement award. And that is the achievement. That is the achievement. You know, biblically it said that out of the heart of a man, out of the mouth of a man, cometh the abundance of his heart. The shit, the shit removed from the eyes. The shit especially from labor supporters so if you are an individual who is respectful now we have a big shit there you know we bought the shit it is the public facility in Bacadé and I don't know how many of you have been to Bacadé we have a bigger shit only now we've moved in to do some cleaning around you understand the Fuash area we began the cleaning and even that was upsetting to people in the community how we removed the shit I think politics really is a reflection of who you are for the shit, the people of the boulevard in Marshall, for the shit in Cassius. What I've found as Minister for Local Government is many toilets all across the country, and some of them willing and ready to take in the amount of shit that Labour is talking. 
I think that clip speaks perfectly for itself. Fortuna seems to be full of sheet. Well, in all of the back and forth with regard to the House of Assembly, one thing did come through that a lot of people didn't notice. There's a new thing that has happened with regards to the last 10 to 15 years, where if you repeat something, it becomes truth, whether it's truth or it's a lie. One of the things that keeps being repeated, particularly by UWP surrogates that never want to know the truth, and even if they do know the truth, they still don't repeat it, is that Kenny Anthony left um, the economy in shambles, and he left unemployment in shambles, and this, that, and the other, unemployment was skyrocketed. When Kenny Anthony left, and there's two stints, but when Kenny Anthony left in 2006, unemployment was at 13%, just under 12.5 to 13%. And economic growth was somewhere in the region of 5%, five, between 5 and 7%. Now, when Kenny Anthony might try to relitigate and try to put, set that record straight over and over, the part that I never get is that all those who would doubt him, why is it that when Sir John came in in 2006, 2007, before he passed away. He himself confirmed that, but yet nobody wants to pay heed to it. Now, it's very interesting that this government touts as its fundamental achievement the reduction of unemployment. Now, Mr. Speaker, whether they like it or not, the highest growth rate ever recorded in the last 15, 20 years was the Labour Party in 2006. As, as a member of a class, we would say, put on your pipe and smoke it. That's right. The highest growth rate. And you may say, oh, it's Cricket World Cup as a member from Miku South. Oh, that was Cricket World Cup. You all give people incentives all over the place. But that's a fact. That's right. And when we left office, St. Lucia began to experience its lowest rate of employment, I think either 16 or 15.5%. Madam Speaker, you see that there's been a momentum in the construction sector, both in the roads and building sectors of the economy. This was fueled by the $212 million in public investment in infrastructure. The activities there, Madam Speaker, is not for us to deny. are the Helen of the West. A place where people work. And play with a special rhythm. But we are experiencing a public health crisis never seen before. And it has left many of us isolated, anxious and afraid. And even though we are missing our families, our teammates and our friends, keeping our distance ensures our safety. Wise protecting our loved ones. And by extension, let us embrace the silver lining for what it is. A moment to reflect and chart a brighter tomorrow. We are 758, 759 and everything in between. And it is because of our resilience we shall persevere. We are all St. Lucian. We never give up. Let's do this together. Apart.
Peske madame moi qui témoigne que ça a bon moi problème. Son moi qui témoigne que ça a bon moi problème. Madame moi qui témoigne que ça a bon moi problème. Son moi qui témoigne après ça moi worries madame. Non madame non c'est Evelyn. Non ni un petit yokuye Jillin. Il quitte Kala depuis Sunday morning. Mais après ça il a Sunday evening. Avec mon footy pas ça ouais Evelyn, yo fais moi y'a quoi il n'y a l'or darling. Ici Castri avec Kawe Doctor King, c'est pour ça madame moi qui t'aime y'a ça va bon moi. You TV, TV for you. Welcome back to the revolution and thanks to all those who have joined and encourage others to join, not because I'm on a vanity project, but because we are in historical times and history will judge what we do now with regards to the future of our children, the future of our nation and what we know to be St. Lucia has to not only be defended and stood up for, it must be protected from all adversaries, foreign and in this case domestic which happens to be foreign domestic, if you know what I mean, when you look at him. And them, and them in truth. Now I understand father and son were in Soufre yesterday. I don't know where the Holy Ghost was, probably trying to get the Soufre Foundation to give supplies to both UWP and labor supporters and try to predicate people in need as opposed to partisan supporters. I always ask myself, do you, when you go into a little area, you go up in Zeno, you go on, on Barron's Drive, and you know somebody's labor, 
do you really, are you really hoping that that person starves? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, you know. And this is the same paradigm that was encouraged by Shasni when he was running for Sufre, after when they were giving out hurricane relief supplies, you know. And don't forget the Prime Minister's Prime Minister, who hid hurricane relief supplies, and customs went and took pictures of it being stored at his family's house, at a member of his family's house, downstairs the house. These things have become normalized. Just like this whole thing about colonialization or colonization. Folks, again, I am more disturbed by the fact that this can even enter your thought process. You know, you're making speeches, whether you're a con man or an honest speech maker, whether you're Barack Obama or you're just some used car salesman, the point is you look for things or analogies that will help you make your points. And it says a lot about somebody. If I, for example, were to say today, boy, you know, um, you know what I, economics is like, you, let's say you're molesting your daughter or your son. If I say that like it's a normal everyday thing, shouldn't you be worried about what that says about my mind? Boy, you know, just imagine you're beating your grandmother to death and somebody offers you a Sprite. That's not supposed to even come into your mind. It's not. So how does it come into his mind? But you see, again, I have to keep repeating it. Shasne can put shit on a cone and call it ice cream. But it is the people around him who know better, who will smell that it's shit, will go up and lick it and taste shit. And instead of gagging or vomiting, they will go and they'll go, mmm, just to make everybody else believe that it's good. Minerva Ward is a professional at that. Don't even talk about Dinish Das ass jackass on Facebook. Don't even talk about those guys. Right? These guys could sell sand to a desert. Selusha could be absolutely burning. And as far as they're concerned, they gaslighting. Right? No problem. That's it for them. Even if their bread not buttered, they're there. They're on that. But this is a very telling statement. And all I can say is, after it's bad enough. I'm not disappointed in Shasne. It's just the truth revealing itself. But when I heard Fortuna, honestly, I was like, wow. And then to see that there's a, a young St. Lucian, whose father is a doctor, who put together little documentaries narrated by an American voice, and I put it in there so that you could hear it, and it bears repeating. In a whole world of global consciousness that you see Australians marching for Aborigines in St. Lucia, we have our fellow St. Lucians extolling or making excuse or being apologists for what could be, is not just an asinine statement by the Prime Minister, but even worse than that, it is troubling because you have to ask yourself, where did that conversation come from? It's just like if you name in a business, Sanusha, you name in a business, you call it TJ's, you call it Hunt's um, Packing and Storage, you call it thing, you know, it have a vibe, twist two for one, whatever. You know, Empire 758. Do you turn around and name something Colony House? Just like when they had that restaurant in the middle of Rodney Bay there. And they named it Plantation House. And they built it so it even looked like it had the slaves' quarters below. I refuse to enter it. I refuse to enter it. And now we need to condemn things for what they are. Because one of the things nobody tells you is that when Kenny Anthony made the comment about there are, there are what, media terrorists... Nobody says, first of all, he did not identify anyone specifically. But because Timothy was in the crowd, right, he took umbrage and rightfully so. But nobody tells you that Kenny Anthony subsequently apologized. 
You tell me one thing Shastney ever said, and he apologized for it. You know what he does? He tells you, you misinterpreted him, he misspoke what he meant, or he left it to be played out like the 43% so that he could um, see what people's reaction would be. Pure narcissism never takes responsibility. And it's going to continue to happen. Because that boy will cry wolf all the way to the bank. Swiss bank account, whatever other accounts. And he'll travel the world. And we will have paid him and given him every opportunity to build this country. While we said, give him a chance. And we, St. Lucians, are right now being recolonized. How do you know? Look at agriculture. Look at fisheries. Look at land acquisition. You don't believe me? I'll make the case. Colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Recent comments by the Prime Minister of St. Lucia continue to raise concern due to their controversial and arguably offensive nature. These comments have been the topic of discussion on several local talk shows and have even featured prominently on a Kenyan talk show. Local poet and activist Kendall Hippolyte is among the many voices who have expressed concerns about the Prime Minister's statements given St. Lucia's own history with colonialism. I'm still trying to understand the Prime Minister's statement, that's the honest truth. Um, taken at face value, it makes absolutely no sense to me about colonization having a conscience. I mean, all of us here, whether it's in descendants of Africans, whether it's in the Caribbean, in, in Africa, the past in the diaspora, we all know what colonization did to us. We all know it was premeditated. We're still suffering the effects of it now. So to speak of it as having a conscience makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. So if someone can explain to me something deeper perhaps that he meant, I'd be grateful to understand it. Now, the Prime Minister's statements may have rubbed people the wrong way for several reasons. Some have highlighted the discomfort the statement could raise given Chastney's own ethnic background. Others have also emphasized that certain members of the Prime Minister's own extended family would have likely benefited from the structures of colonialism themselves. Hippolyte, however, believes the issue runs deeper than skin color. I don't think it's a straight matter of color, but for, yeah, for certainly for some persons, that, that would kind of like be rubbing salt in the wound. But I think we've got to look beyond that. Who, regardless of who is in power, that kind of statement and the thinking behind it should not be supported and should not go unclarified, unchecked. Another word for Kennynomics is plantocracy economics. Because it's only in the days of plantocracy that a landlord would impose taxes on the people who were working the lands and not care about the conditions of their work or their living conditions, but was more concerned about his own living standards. But when one sees where the history and the heritage of Dr. Anthony and that a massa mentality, and you can change your name, but you cannot change who you are. I think that we are in a society that is exceedingly tense, um, not just reflected in the relationship between citizens and among citizens, but in the relationship between politicians and citizens to, to politicians. And I have never seen the country as tense, as angry, and as divided as it is right now. And I'm, and I'm now 67 years old, so when I, when I look at the span of history, I'm in a position to make judgments about these matters. As to the so-called uh, mass of charge, you know, at one time within UWP ranks, um, there was a lot of talk that my 
father, my grandfather and father and predecessors were engaged in slavery. So um, I'm <laughs> I am the descendant of, of slave masters. Um, you really have to laugh at these things. Um, the truth of the matter is that my family, the Barnards, came out to live in the Caribbean in the 1880s, long after slavery. And uh, they were um, a family that spread throughout the, the Caribbean. And what they did on arrival in St. Lucia, um, some of them um, purchased estates that had gone into trouble. And of course, others went into commerce. Um, I'm sure you remember, yeah, well, you may not remember because you were still young. Years ago, there was a company called Barnard and Sons um, on the middle of Bridge Street. I mean, a lot of them afterwards, that company got involved in all kinds of things. Apart from being merchants, they even got involved in the coal industry. Um, I'm saying all of this um, just to debunk this, but it's those connotations are always attractive to politicians, and I have had to confront this from time to time. Of course, um, children often carry the, the burdens of their, of their parents and foreparents, but it, it is also equally unfair that you have to be um, judged not by who you are, but what others think you are. But the fact of the matter is, the Barnard family were never ever engaged in slavery. Colonialization had a conscience. I consequently sought the opinion of a local economist. That statement had no logic. Uh, and the Prime Minister, being a student of economics, I'm, I'm rather surprised that it, it had no basis. It didn't follow any analytical argument or thesis. Uh, however, I thought it was very disrespectful the way the, the, it came out. Uh, we are an Afrocentric nation, and he's a West Indian. And as the Prime Minister, I dare say, I for one, uh, of the opinion that he owes us an apology. But if he was trying to make an argument or support a position, he didn't do a good job. Economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody, mm -hmm. you know, colonialization had a conscience. Can you tell us about Wilson's resignation? I mean, you were the one who announced the, the ambassadorship, um, the Google ambassadorship. We're hearing that he handled this resignation last, last week. Um, could you tell us, uh, can you confirm what this is? You, he handled the resignation he for... Resignation as a, as a where did he attend the goodwill? Where did he attend the resignation? Well, based on the based on the rules of engagement with respect to the ambassadorial program, one has to submit the resignation to the Governor General. So I'm not aware of that at all. Yeah. I know that he's written to me, and of course he's expressed his desire to 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 move on. But for me, I I, I did express I, I did receive that with reservations um, and trepidations, given the fact that he he's such an icon in our society, um, and so it's really his decision. You know, that's something you can't force on somebody, and so it's his decision. But I think there's a medium, a, a, a system for him to be able to channel that, and I'm sure, being who he is. He would do what is what is right. But he's, it is said that his concern stems his the reason for that also stems from the prime minister's prior statement about colonialism having a, having a conscience. Do you agree with that statement, first of all, my minister? Colonialism, colonialism has, having a conscience. Has a conscience. Economics doesn't. Well, 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 I think you, 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 when you when you look at anything in life, you know, there is always a, an epicenter. Um, there is always something that drives it, and so there is always life. You understand in a dynamic environment, and so everything has some 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 life. Um, colonialism, as we know it historically, um, was a, a, an environment where people were colonized by persons who forced them to believe what they wanted, 
you understand, to believe. There was a way of, they had to conform. Um, economics is about your belly. It's about being able to provide for your family um, and enabling a society to be able to, to flourish in a way that it can allow people in the society to, to benefit from it. Um, and so, to my mind, they, they, they're two different things. Um, but in terms of the, the fact that there is a driving force, I think, in both institutions, colonize, colonization, there is a driving force in there. In economics, there is a driver as well. Um, from that standpoint, perhaps... You know, yes, the, 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 the feelings and the vibes are different, but I think when you, when you look at the issue, um, I think my prime minister was attempting to lead to, if I understand what he was saying, is that there were people there. You know, there were people there, people, human beings who had a heart, who had a conscience. I can't leave. You took me from my mother and shipped me across the ocean. Chained me and enslaved me, put this racist system in motion. Whipped me and proselytized me until you got my devotion. Cut me by my roots so that I may forever be susceptible to your coercion. I can't relieve. In 1865, you claim emancipation. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within your nation. The same year the Ku Klux Klan was formed in preparation Set me free with no reparations That's not my idea of liberation I can't interweave You told me slavery was gone but Jim Crow was still alive Forced segregation did not let me vote until 1965 True freedom withheld whilst the KKK were free to thrive All men are created equal Freedom of speech, yet somehow I must shut my mouth to survive. I can't achieve. You told me I could integrate, but you made no space. Took away Jim Crow and left residential segregation in its place. You taught me to hate my own people with the anger that I misplaced. Black on black crime in the ghetto I call home. Enemies in your rat race. I can't breathe. You suffocate my growth under the guise of constitution. 27% of people double my share, face prosecution. What do you expect from a country that has their prison as a private institution? Yes, slavery looks a bit different now. It is simple evolution. I can't breathe. I surrender to you peacefully. You put your knee in my neck for nine minutes. So now, the streets must speak for me. I can't breathe, they echo, as flames rise from the pain you refuse to see. Demanding justice in a place where equal was never what you intended us to be. To be honest with you, sometimes I say we, we, you know, slavery has been abolished since 1834, but a lot of us are still caught, you know, with the mental slavery. Here we are. I'm a slave master. You're my slaves. I spent a hundred years beating up on you, your grandmama, your great-grandmama, mm. making you work for nothing for me. Centuries after centuries. And then one day independence must come. That's okay, fine, let's have independence. Let's sit down and talk about it. Here's how your independence gonna go, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you. 
Now, independence is signed. We all happy. We shake hands. How sweet. All the land that I took from your family remains my land, of course. And now you out in the street begging. You know what I'm going to say? Look at this bum. What is wrong with him? These black folks can't do nothing for themselves. Here he is begging, begging, always begging. And we are so stupid. We won't even say, yeah, I'm begging because you stole my land. See COVID-19 now speeding up what we've been working on for so long to have the SIDS um, classified differently so we can access those funds? Well, we're certainly not allowing this crisis to go unnoticed and reiterating once more um, the impracticality of the economic global economic architecture as it pertains to um, small island developing states. So in simpler terms, um, the laws that define how these international institutions work with the small island developing states has to change. And so I think that we're all of one singular voice. But I think that the idea of constantly going, and I'm sorry to put it this way, because it, it's not begging, but it comes across as begging, where we go on an individual basis and saying, we're a small island developing state, we're vulnerable, and then you owe it to me. The world doesn't work like that. The world doesn't have, economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Economics has no conscience. You know, when it was time for Pan American to go, it went. Economics is about people. Economics is about improving the quality and the standard of living for the people of, of, of the country. That's what, that's what it is. And economics, Mr. Prime Minister, does have a conscience. Have you heard about the welfare states? Have you heard about social safety nets? Have you heard about transfer of incomes? Have you heard about transfer of technology? Have you heard of stimulus projects? Economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Economics has no conscience. A massa mentality. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Colonialization had a conscience. So if colonialization had a conscience, that meant that these people with their consciences chose to deny an entire race their humanity, enslave them, ship them, beat them, rape them, molest them, kill their children, kill them, breed them, force them to inbreed, deny them their rights. So the conscience that they're even speaking about, even worse that it never was used for a good purpose. That is what defines it. And you see what's even worse is how these words are marketed and gentrified while other words are sort of imbued with negativity. So for example, you can drive on the John Compton Highway and the police and the traffic department and five or six other agencies are in his daddy's building, Colony House. And at the same time, or how many of you grew up when you were in in primary school and infant school, hearing the name Negmao 
and thinking that it was a derogatory term to call somebody a stupid or foolish or unruly when we did not even know until much later when we started to learn our history in places like Haiti and Jamaica and even in Sufre that Negmawa was really the St. Lucians, the Caribbeans, the people, the black people that rebelled against colonialism. And in places like Haiti, they were actually successful. But what would appeal to somebody in terms of that? Why would that even come to your mind? Well, folks, think about this. What if I told you that there was a company, a company that did military-grade mind-bending, that understood psychology and took it from as, from as recently as the Iraq war, the second one, right? And went into political consultancy. And they would map your data, figure out your personality attributes, and they would sell themselves to you. So if I was a politician, if I were a politician or St. Lucian, or a person who wanted to use St. Lucia, a country with weak civic institutions, a country where people were susceptible to money because of their economic situation, a country where people did not have a culture of rebellion, and I wanted to find myself in charge of that country. I had a little disdain for that country because I never liked how they treated me. They treated me like I was a retarded. They treated me like I was a special needs. They treated me like I had a learning disorder, even though I did, but the way that they treated me. To the point where I never paid any attention to that country until I needed it for my own success, financial and otherwise, later on in life. When all my other options of bullshitting people and being a con man had gone, and I needed an opportunity. And this company comes to me and tells me, hey, we can put you in charge of that country. You can be a master of that country. And all you have to do is pay us after the election. And then take your passport scheme, your CIP, and pick projects. Maybe a horse racing track. Or maybe a hotel um, down in Labri or in, Suf or in Choiselle. Or maybe even in, in Canals like Galaxy, and you will pay us back that way. You don't believe me, sounds very far-fetched, except that one of the people that was a chief architect in that company, he decided to speak out. His name is Chris Wiley, and this is him testifying in a hearing that was held in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you can be like, you know, a colonial master in a country. You know, sorry, not to sound flippant about it, but it, 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 it is... It, felt very much like a privatized, colonizing operation. You'd go into a country that has underdeveloped civic institutions, you'd exploit that, and then, and then make money off of it. And I know of the love and the passion that the people in the South have. And I know how great they are going to be at taking care of horses. A massa mentality. Yeah, you can be like, you know, a colonial master in a country. You know, sorry, not to sound flippant about it, but it, 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 it is, it felt very much like a privatized colonizing operation. Say it with pride, the pearl of the Caribbean. That when people say, I am from Viewfort, soon people will not know Viewfort. You are from the pearl of the Caribbean. Where you want to be from, a ghetto, or you want to be from the pearl of the Caribbean? And you want to know the psychological effect? Think about it. 
Could you imagine Kenny Anthony coming up to Castries? Could you imagine Philip J. Pierre? I'll give you even one better. Could you imagine Stevenson King or even Vaughn Lewis coming up to Castries and saying that he's going to change Castries and then you will be known as Abu Dhabi or you'll be known as McDonald's or you'll be known as Michigan and you'll be clapping for that. Tell them again! Think about the psychology. And that doesn't just evaporate. It doesn't just go away. That's what has people in the middle of a state of emergency imposed in dictatorial fashion. Two weeks, two weeks, then you just go for four months. And you campaigning in the middle of that. While people cannot get their medication. While people cannot travel. People cannot open their little bars, their little rum shops. They cannot even do their hustle with their mall. They cannot go out to work. They do not know what's going on with their children's education. They can't afford groceries, but you go in and campaign. And meantime, well, your talking points is the same stale talking points that you had before. You remember 2019, you said was the year of implementation. And yet right now, in the middle of, what, eight months, three months, two months before elections, now you're telling the people you're getting projects off the ground. You all have a, a document and a documentary talking about achievements. And sod turning is actually listed as an achievement. So folks, if I take, this government has lowered the bar so much, that if I take a shovel, I stick it in dirt, I lift it up and I turn it over, that is actually listed as an achievement by the Shastney led and Guy Joseph led administration. You don't believe me? Proof again. You know what they call him, Dikushi? <laughs> Shit. In keeping with our election promise to ease the economic squeeze on the people, we reduced value-added tax, rose property taxes, implemented an amnesty on hospital bills, reduced vehicle license fees, doubled spending on the school feeding program, and transportation subsidy. Today, the economy is beginning to blossom once more, or that we're going to help them by reducing the VAT rate on food items. It's not going to work. Our policies are working and we are moving in the right direction. Uh, one of our first actions was to fulfill our general election promise to ease the burdens on the entire population. We immediately implemented the five to stay alive. We reduced the 15% VAT. We put a freeze on property taxes. We introduced an amnesty on hospital bills. We reduced the vehicle license cost. We doubled the allocations for school feeding and transportation programs. After a while, you realize it's just a bullshit booyah. And you just adding salt and pepper each time. So if 2018 was a year of planning and adjustments, 2019 will be the year of implementation as a number of public and private sector projects get underway. Translating into the biggest infusion of capital into our economy ever. This year, we'll see the commencement and the redevelopment of the Huronora International Airport. You know, still leftovers. Several of our signature projects are underway, especially in the southern part of the island. We're excited about the airport redevelopment project. But Lucians will still drink it still. They're going to drink it. He also spoke about um, the commencement of imminent infrastructural projects. No doubt that's going to help Charlie, I mean, yeah. I mean stir the economy as anything else. Just like coming with the again. From the onset of our administration, we've taken steps to combat crime at all levels. 
Rick, they are those who will do this stuff and are doing this stuff and they will never be caught. In fact, some of them have done criminal stuff. We have invested in CCT cameras and police communication systems, which will be operational within weeks. We know that the effort we are making will begin to pay off. We now have 95 CCT cameras, feeds in strategic areas. All you have to show after four years is 20% project implementation. And give the man a chance. You got renderings upon renderings, direct awards to friends, family, and foreigners. You had a lot of balls. Yeah, a lot of balls, man. All kinds of balls all over the place. A lot of Simeh Gwenets. But at the end of the day, now the man who said that he needed three years to prove himself, three years to turn the country around, to teach public servants how to think, <laughs> how to turn the economy around, how to re-engineer agriculture, the man that needed three years started to change his tune and say that he needs two terms. Don't believe me again. Should it be every dog that barks that I should respond and determine that I'm arrogant? But it's going to take me, and I've said this from the get-go, it takes three years. It takes me three years to re-engineer the civil service and changing the way that people think, holding people more accountable and getting more productivity. It's going to take me three years to change our culture in terms of how we are processing, getting contracts to farmers. So people aren't wasting their time. It's going to take me three years to get the infrastructure of this country fixed. It's going to take me three years to get the finances of this country fixed. Let us not make the decisions for one term. Because if you make decisions for one term, you're going to rush. I have to make the decisions based on two terms. Okay? And I have to have the confidence that if I do the right thing, but it's going to take me, and I've said this from the get-go, it takes three years. Based on two terms. Okay? So for those of you who are saying enough is enough, it's not about going on Facebook, although there's a value to that. It's not about going on Instagram. It's not even about calling talk shows or hosting talk shows. It is about standing up. It is not about watching a protest on TV or a motorcade or a whistle stop. It is about attending in person. The generations before us, those in their 70s and 80s and 60s, have already represented to bring this country to where they brought it to before, before Shastney took over. Multiple generations, red, yellow, and everybody in between. Everybody from Indian to Syrian to black to white to expat to local, all contributed to the development of this country. But now, the generations that are at home because they've lost their jobs, those of you still fighting to get some cacada out of the NIC, knowing that by the time you've gotten it, it is so inadequate. You have no hope for the future with regards to knowing what the government's plans are besides bringing in COVID from the United States. You need to stand up. Enough is enough. Because if not, then you will have to turn around and buy into the rhetoric that Mamai Flambeau, we did it. I thought he was going to say Mamai Flambeau, we did shit. But the point is, he can sell sand to a desert if you want to believe it. And it's about 
choosing to face the difficult reality or believing in the convenient lies once again. But the question for you is, can you take another five years of Alan Chastney as your Prime Minister? Well, Mamai Flavo, we did it. We spent three years together in opposition. We developed mission, vision and values. That was to provide a quality, um, affordable healthcare service, to provide a globally competitive education system, to provide security and economic opportunity. We put together a manifesto and the Five to Stay Alive plan. And, and your, your team has stuck to that plan. And what, what has been fantastic is that the plans that we had put together in opposition are working. They were working now, they were working pre-COVID, and when we look at those exact same ideals and vision that we had, it's even more relevant post-COVID. Now is the time for us to stay strong, now is the time to us to stay safe, and more importantly, now is the time for us to stay united. We've shown as a government that we've touched every single sector, the entertainers. We said we were going to change the jazz festival into a, a summer festival. They said it couldn't be done. We said we were going to make Carnival the largest festival in St. Lucia. We did it. We took independence and made it into something great where we can all celebrate the act of being St. Lucia. We came up with themes all in. Now is our time. Let's do it. These are great ideals. They're inspirational. Now is not the time to lose focus. And we're only halfway through the mission. We indicated it would take us 10 years to build a new St. Lucia. I'm hoping that all of you can see that what we've achieved in less than five years. Very soon, we'll have an opportunity to go to the polls to re-strengthen re that mission that we have and continue to work together to build a new St. Lucia. Hello, today let's talk about physical distancing, why we need it and what does it mean. Physical distancing is deliberately increasing the physical space between people to avoid the spreading of an infectious illness. In this case, the new coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. <laughs> this virus spreads from person to person through a sneeze or a cough or even through talking. The droplets from a sneeze, cough, or loud speech flow through the air before settling on surfaces like your countertops, tables, doorknobs, keys, or your mobile phones. It can even be breathed in if you are close enough to a person who has the virus. The virus then waits for an opportunity to be passed on to the next person you come into contact with. Staying six feet away from others is the best distance to avoid any spread of the virus from one person to the next. If you're waiting in line at the supermarket or the bank, follow the markers set on the floor to try to visualize a six-foot distance from the person in front of you and wait there, even outside of the building. Why? Well, if everyone practices physical distancing, we can help prevent the spread of COVID-19 as the chances of passing it on to another person is reduced. Physical distancing also means that we do the following. Avoid contact with someone who is displaying symptoms of COVID-19. These symptoms include cough, sneeze, sore throat and fever. 
avoided the unnecessary use of public transportation as you should be going out only when required. If unavoidable, travel with less people. Work from home wherever possible. Avoid social gatherings at bars, restaurants, as well as going to fests and casual lines as the infection spreads easily when people gather together. Since you should not be gathering with friends and family, you can still remain in touch by giving a call, connecting online or through social media. Unless it is absolutely necessary, you should not be visiting all the relatives as they are one of the groups most vulnerable to COVID-19. <coughs> By these simple actions, we can all make a big impact to reduce the spread of COVID-19 on our St. Lucia. Welcome back to the revolution. In this final segment, I want you to notice the obvious. On every TV station, considering that a lot of the businesses have been closed, a lot of companies have gone under, we, a lot of um, advertising has been pulled from TV stations, but even if it wasn't, in everybody chipping in, in everybody coming together, simulcasts of press conferences and uh, Prime Minister statements and the CMO statements and pronouncements and sensitization. Artists who can't get a dollar going and perform for telethons all over the place doing public service announcements. You just saw in the advert break here that we had here. You've seen it every day, whether it's Yadi and Jahim, whether it is Timothy Polio, whether it is the news on HTS or NBC, all over on the radio stations, our CI, Hits Radio, Hot FM, you name it. Everybody is preaching what you should do to mitigate against COVID, social distancing, work from home, wear a mask, stand six feet apart, avoid social gatherings. If you're meeting with elderly people, avoid meeting with them. You just heard it. You can't get away from it. It's drummed in. Right? Distance social. Everything you can get. But apparently... If there's one thing that makes you immune to coronavirus, or more importantly, immune to the responsibility of coronavirus, it is if you are running elections, if you are campaigning. Then all of a sudden, it's not about right or wrong, it's about winning or losing. And that is why I tell you, St. Lucia, do not fall for the bait. Labour Party supporters do not fall for the bait. UWP supporters do not fall for the bait. This election is not about red versus yellow. Because all of us sticking in that. All of us are suffering. This election is about right versus wrong. It's not telling you that the Labour Party is all, a par all paragons of virtue. But it is telling you that there are solutions... And then there's Shastney and his cabinet of MPs that are running. 
you have to decide which one, which side you're on. You either for your family, you either for your friends and your community, or you are for Shasne and his friends and his family and his foreigners. the leader of the country, the one that is to set the example so that the little children in the communities can see that he is doing the right thing. And like Bill Clinton said, leading by example is not the only way, but it just so happens is the best way. What kind of message are we sending to the world, to the communities, to our children when we have a state of emergency? Now, that actually is starting to have us trivialize the word emergency. So the same government that wanted you to trust that this was a serious crisis, now is throwing caution to the wind. The same government that, was, that has put you in a situation where you had to sacrifice economically with your business, sacrifice your children's education, sacrifice when it came to groceries, sacrifice your mental state by being forced quarantine, stay at home, separating people in the south and north from each other and from different services they wanted to access, putting police to work long hours in the hot sun, day, night, first responders needed to get PPE and you raise funds, all of that now is being thrown away for the sake of politics and the best part is the one person who has control over when the election is called could call elections in December could call it in January could call it in February but he's going in the middle of a time when people are most anxious and most vulnerable now if that doesn't take a colonial mindset I don't know what does you are exposing unnecessarily very valuable resources that we have our police officers our nurses our doctors our ambulance 
um, attendants, and potentially even our firemen, and some of our government servants. So when they have to unnecessarily come into more contact with individuals than they should, the risk of them catching the virus increases exponentially. And I keep saying to you, think of one person that you love in this country, more than anything else. And every time it becomes difficult, think of that person and what you're potentially exposing that person to. Your family members, your neighbors. It would be irresponsible as me as your prime minister with the responsibility of protecting all solutions. There is too many uncertainties that exist in the country today for people to be to be able to be uh, doing that kind of behavior. <laughs> our family members, for our neighbors, our friends, and for our countrymen. We owe it to them. The people who suffer from diabetes. People who suffer from hypertension. People who already have respiratory ailments. The elderly in our society. People with low immune systems. We must do it for them. Many of us may not even know that we're going to be infected by corona, but we're going to carry it. So the only way to protect everyone is for everyone to act as if the person that you're interacting with has corona. <laughs> So some of the behavior, ill-advised behavior that we saw taking place this weekend And the consequence of persons not adhering to those rules creates a tremendous amount of threat in your communities. Only takes the irresponsible behavior of a couple of people to jeopardize 
everything that we're attempting to be able to do. Social distancing. <laughs> this is the wrong time to be trying to take advantage of people. I'm asking you to stop behaving so selfishly. Social distance, social distance. <laughs> Say for And that's actually continuing to happen now. He's out and about, you know. He doesn't care. Because I continue to say, he and Guy Joseph, their strongest attribute, much like Nancy has, and others have developed, Fede and all of them have developed in spades, Bradley as well, King as well, shamelessness, it's their superpower. They just say something, do something totally irresponsible, and nothing for that. So, in a true colonial mentality, you pass laws, you have laws, you tell people to respect the laws. You arrest and you charge people for breaking the laws, like curfew and so on. But you park in the Prime Minister's vehicle on a pedestrian crossing. Nothing for that. Then you have, you know what hurt me? It wasn't even to see Norbert, you know, the, the Bofest man taking pictures and all the rest of that. You know what really hurt me? It was the guy playing the steel pan. Like it just felt so shameful to see that guy trying his best to see if he could hustle right there. And it comes back to the same adage from Willie Lynch. Starve the slave until the same person, until they're grateful to be fed by the same person that starved them. The same person that has us in economic quarantine. The same person is who says you can't open your restaurant or bar is in a restaurant and a bar and was in another one yesterday is another one today people that not even trying to touch him he's trying to touch them and he himself was showing symptoms and he had to be tested now we all know that you can get a false negative so he doesn't know if he now is carrying it but doesn't you see that you see but it's not about the truth at least not for some it's about the spin. So here you have one of the government's leading hacks. She can stay from overseas and with absolutely no conscience, she can try to bend people's minds from overseas knowing that she doesn't pay the consequences of any of her actions. And she can also self-congratulate as well. Huh? And the truth is when people say they pay Minerva, the truth is she looked like she'd do it for free because it's all about her ego. 
True leadership is when you can walk into the lion's den of people, she said, who don't know you, who you don't know, don't support you. You know they don't support you, but, they, but you sit and engage them. Answer their questions and respond to their concerns. Why wouldn't that be better done in a town hall meeting? How many times have the people of the South, particularly in Viewfort, called for town hall meetings and the Prime Minister never showed up? Up to this day. Hmm. There was a time when I, when I didn't think Shas had it in him to do this. There was a time when I didn't think he had it, had what it took to go fearlessly into the nooks and crannies of St. Lucia and speak to the common man. I didn't think he had what it took to engage people who grew up with, different, with a different reality as he. But the man continues to prove me wrong. Pum, pum, pum. So Shasne was a hero to go to Oleon. And you know the funny thing? That it typifies the house slave mentality. And I'll tell you why it typifies Minerva's house slave mentality like it does for a number of, a number of them. If a black man or a St. Lucian who shared St. Lucian values went into, whether it's Kenny Anthony, who technically you can say is black or white, it's up to you, Philip Pierre, Stevenson King, you know, Remy Lesmore, it doesn't matter who, it could have been Romanus Lansico. Because we knew that they were St. Lucians, we believed that they liked it and they enjoyed it. But we know Chastney is so damn fake, so effing fake, that we actually turning around and trying to respect the fact that somebody is doing something disingenuous and we're giving him points for that.
Billy, né, mestre? Nós vamos ter que cair amanhã. Ok? Nós vamos ter que cair amanhã, mas vai deixar a fneira do lá, pois é. Exactly. Let's go a prime minister. Well, let's go. Way down, way down. At the bottom. Way, way down. There are people living on the other side, and there's a, some ravine street in between. So whenever, whenever uh, there are heavy showers, they are able to cross the other thing is. There is no access. There is no access. Yeah, my prime minister, that's there. That's a piece. Okay, let's go show me another piece again. Come, let's go show another piece again. One day things start. Two times you'll never see me. After four years, you should be happy. Look, we, we need a turning point. It has my van there. Every time we was in my van, uh, my my spring does the damage. So we did a turning point. So full of my van, so I can't be sick. Okay. How long has it been like that? Well, that's so early. What's that's so early. Well, last more than, I'll say more than 10 years. Yes. So I don't know. You know I I know what what you want to do about it. Because that's my friend there, and for it's from from to reverse there, my spring does break. <coughs> it's, it's problem for me be for me be to, 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 to.
So I know what you want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. 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 You never saw that scanning right? Well, well, I never, but I doesn't be here. Yeah. Yes, the, I, I work in every day. I work in every day too. Now, if you, if you don't know where you're from. Uh, Gasso. Gasso, in town I just be every day. That's why I know you, I know you are. Tell me. Hmm? Tell me. Tell me. Uh, you, you know me for sure. Well, in town I just be every day. You know me. You know me. All right. Yeah, I so. Want to back. Uh, well, I, I said a nice payment out.
this is not This has And there you have it in all its inglorious splendor. Phone lines are open at 5727588. Made sure to show you everything. Yes, the phone lines are open at 5727588. I do hope that in the same way that Mark Zuckerberg took two years to learn Mandarin so he could go to China and do a press conference in Chinese and Mandarin, that Facebook does get somebody to teach it Patwa so that they can have Patwa subtitles on the live stream. Now, folks, did that look like a prime minister that was leading a country through a state of emergency to you? Does that look like somebody who was trying to project stability, encourage social distancing? The sacrifices that you and others have made with regards to your children's education, to your business, having to go through, run through your savings, the economic distress that you're feeling, the lack of relief coming from a non-stimulus, no stimulus coming from government. Does that seem like that is not an alternate reality to what you have been preached, had preached to you by the CMO and everybody else and everybody in between, even the Prime Minister himself, just a couple of weeks ago? Or probably he'll do it again tomorrow? And for those who say, boy, you know, what one line I heard in the whole thing was, oh, Kenny, because that's the reference. Chastney took him four years to go there, but at least he came there in four years. Folks, you notice when Chastney can't travel, he stayed in St. Lucia. It was only after a protest in May 2017 that Chastney went to visit Victoria Hospital and then St. Jude's for the first time. There was a protest in Castries, about 4,000 people showed up. 4,005 about there. And there's an iconic shot of the crowd stretching from the San Susi Bridge into the, onto the waterfront and up to the market. But the point was, he got into office in June of 2016, and it was May of the next year before he even thought to go to visit Victoria Hospital. Not a neighborhood or a remote area somewhere that he hadn't visited before. But apparently this makes him a hero. Having people not social distance, not wearing a mask, talking to people openly who do not have a mask. All of the things that we've been preaching that after this show ends, tomorrow and for days after, whether it's Jukbwa, Michael Robinson, whether it's the CMO, whoever it is all telling you to do, he is undoing that single-handedly. And I have a point to make to you folks, considering the symptoms that he was showing to the point where his own private home had to be sanitized and he had to be tested for COVID. Knowing that St. Lucia did not have many tests, he got tested and he got tested once. What is to say that he is not carrying the virus, has recovered and doesn't give two dams about what happens from there on in? What is to say? People have, you have, the number of tests come up as false negatives. But even worse, you saw him showing the symptoms, you saw him recover, and now he's going all over the country. What if he, of all people, is the willing patient zero, going around the country, propagating community spread? 
or worse yet, encouraging others to spread in the community unwittingly because he has diffused his own state of emergency while keeping people in economic distress. He can go into restaurants and eat while others cannot open their restaurants. He can go into businesses. He can break laws. He can go against the very things that he's preaching along with the cabinet of ministers like Fede, like Bradley, like Herod, like Spider. All of them can go out traipsing around the country. Nothing for that. No mass, no social distancing, nothing. So what happens when I do it? You'll, you'll arrest me? So once you're the same people that had an entire beach party in Ancillary, you all made them march through the town. Even Fede's constituency office secretary was among them. And you all detained them at the police station in Ancillary. But yet Shastney can do that and nothing for that. What happened if I do that? Or does it take me having to do that? I can assure you, I can assure you I'll end up at custody suites. Right? I'll be sitting on some Costo fellow's lap apologizing, playing, please don't me. I'm not no but huh? No problem. That's okay, that's that's cool. Folks, the time to stand has never been more clear and more evident, and we are running out of time. So the question for you is, which I've been asking since twenty eighteen, from mid twenty eighteen is are you ready? Because as soon as this Sunday we can be called to action. We have to be <laughs> smart about how we do things because at the end of the day, the government is obviously trying to stifle democracy. In a state of emergency, no civil servants can protest. No political rallies can be held. Only the prime minister gets to suppress everybody's freedoms, yet move around and gallivant freely wherever he wants to go in his yellow shirts as if there aren't critical decisions and things being neglected. And ask yourself one question. Why would you go or be looking to go to the polls in this environment? There's only one reason. Because you know it's actually going to get worse. Could you pick a worse time to campaign or to be political than now? When I would WhatsApp clips of things that were political, I would get chastised by all kinds of UWP hacks telling me, now is not the time. We have to be for country now. You know, I remember Anthony Bristol and, and Richard Peter King and, and, and Robert um, Alcee, they would all message me, now is not the time to be political. But y'all can't say, quick, y'all who have F all to say, now that Shastnay has politics on steroids in the middle of a crisis. Nothing to say for that. Nothing for that. Cognitive dissonance on steroids as well. And like I said, we are on the verge of being fooled. That is why I'm encouraging and urging all solutions, whether you have supported or will continue to support the UWP and the Labour Party or none of the above. And you are just a solution, whether you vote, you don't vote, you voted before, you voted for this one, you voted for that one. It is time for us to stand. You need to rise up. We need to rise up. We need to prove it to ourselves. And we don't need to be led by George Odlum. We need to be led by ourselves. We need to find it in us. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes, caller. Yes, good afternoon. Mm -hmm. Christopher. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are doing a very great job. Thank you. And Shastay needs to go because he's a Gwen sucker. I'm calling from Denry. Mm -hmm. 
The reason why I'm saying that because Shasley cannot be giving people all kinds of rules and you're not keeping it. Well, I was going to ask you if the reason that you he said is that is because you saw him doing something, but it's okay. <laughs> yes, I cannot be watching that video. He's disgusting. He's a disgrace. Are you ready to stand, caller? And I don't like him. Are you ready to stand? I want him to go. Yes, I'm ready to stand, and I'm you, and I'm SLP in the blood. Well, caller, whether you are SLP, I cannot change it for nothing else. Whether you are SLP or UWP, you are solution first, and it must be on that you predicate your decision. Oh, certainly, 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 and I don't stand for bullshit. <laughs> Thank you very much, caller. Thank you. This is too much for Saint Lucia. We are bleeding. We are bleeding red, green, all color. We are bleeding the color of our sheet. Thank you very much. Thank Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Colin. Like I said, if we make this about red versus yellow, then we'll be pulled back into our original, you know, tribal mentality. There are UWP supporters who are diehard UWP supporters who are catching their royal right now, as well as Labour Party people. If you are not one of the FFF exclusive VIP club that sits down with a bow tie up in some tent that Danny Belize brought to St. Lucia, if you are not sitting there, right, getting your direct awards, or you do not have something going where you're going to get a big piece of land, or you're going to get a big contract, or you're going to get your own private airline, or whatever it is, then trust me, you are one of us. What is us? Us are the disenfranchised. Us are those who, whether you're middle class, upper class, rich, poor, black, white, Syrian, whether you live in the north, whether you live in the south, east, west, you name it. Whether you still go to Rat Island, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, you are the marginalized. You do not have any other St. Lucia or any other home to call home. So you have to stand up. And if you don't stand up, then I will be unto you when you look at your children and you see the condition that you left your country in to be privatized and recolonized and redeveloped as a private CDC, Colonial Development Corporation type project. Folks, I think I've run out of time, but I want to leave you on a note that I think, you know, when we talk about the state of emergency, people talk about it's to stifle the opposition. It's to stifle people to go out and make money. It's stifling the unions. It's stifling the, the, the public servants, people who want to protest. It also, sadly enough, it stifles our creatives. And right now our creatives, can you imagine what they would be doing and the voice that they would be having if we had something like a carnival or calypso season now? <laughs> Yeah.
the opinions expressed on this TV program by the host, co-host, guest, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.